Hey guys, it is that time again. Time for The Brazen Truth, the podcast where we talk about morality, sexuality, and spirituality according to the Bible. I'm Tiffany Cater, and today joining me is my good friend, Marilyn Gronow. Now, I'm excited to have this conversation with Marilyn. She is single, she's in the church, and uh, she loves Jesus with all of her heart. Not only is she my uh, really good friend, which in and of itself is a uh, pretty great accomplishment. (laughs) Not that I'm great, but it does take a lot of strength and grace to be my friend. Um, But (laughs) okay, it's not that bad, hopefully. But Marilyn is also the editor of the School of Purpose curriculum. She's administrative director at CFTN Chandler. She's a sound booth technician. She's a connect group leader, and she's also a new business owner. The name of her business is Marilyn Alexis LLC Mobile IV Nursing. So she'll go to your home and she'll pump you full of the good stuff. I'm super excited for her to be here so we can have a conversation about change. Change that needs to happen in the hearts and minds of single people who are a part of the church or want to be a part of the church, Um, but also change that needs to happen in the married people in the church, how we need to change our minds about how we see single people and about how we see singleness in itself. So grab your coffee and join us. All right, so today's podcast is going to be um, kind of piggybacking off of last um, podcast, the last episode. I kind of gave a little bit of my testimony um, on how it was being single in the church, my struggles, and a lot of my downfalls. And um, I had, I wanted to have you when I when I was giving this testimony, and I knew I wanted to do a follow up conversation about this. Um, I thought specifically of you because when I think of the right way, it's not the it's not the same as the perfect way, right? Right. It's not the same as the perfect way. When I say when I think of the right way, it's the consistent way. It's the way where you don't give up. It's the way where you stay connected. And that has been you from the get-go. And I think that that is so admirable because when I was in that time in my life, I would give up so easily because um, no one no one really believed that. I felt like no one really believed that I could, that I could right. consistently follow God in my singleness, in my purity. And I really didn't believe that I could either. Mm-hmm. And I proved to myself time and time again that I couldn't. So when I couldn't, I just, I didn't think that I could even try to step into leadership uh, because of fear that I would just let people down again, that I would let God down again, that I would let whoever's following me down again. And I didn't want to go down that path. But I think that was a mistake. And um, I wanted to have you on so we could talk about, A, what can we do as single people? I'm not a single person, but what can single people do to make to make the change? And what can the church collaborate with single people who is a part of the body of Christ do to make the changes that are necessary to bring us back together again? That's a great question. Um, I mean, when I listen to your podcast, and, and I know your story just from being your friend, but your story made me sad because that's like, I mean, the church doesn't always get it wrong, but they did in your case. <laughs> so, um, 
and not I'm not by any means against the the church like that I love the church I love the body of Christ first of all I was lucky enough to have great pastors with Cal and Bethany who believed in me right. so every time I did fail and, and like you said perfect is not the right word um trying I guess what I did was press into God right. and try to grow every time I failed and the learn righteous from man it. yeah I fell seven times and, yeah and I do know that every time that I fell sexually when or had sex outside of marriage with whoever I was dating, I I felt so like I hurt God. Like I hurt God and, and it weighed heavy on me. It wasn't just something that I took lightly. And I think that I was lucky enough to have pastors who saw that, who saw that my desire to grow. And they strongly believe, and this is something that I 100% like have seen them live out is that when someone is in sin, we don't isolate them. We draw them in and surround them. And that's what helps them overcome. And that's been my case in my situation. They, they always drew me in. They never told me, Oh, you weren't good enough to be a leader. You weren't good enough. They told me, Hey, you're stumbling on this situation. You're going to grow and you're going to move past it. What do we, we have to get to the root of it and figure out why. That is so good. And something you said was key. Like I'm, I'm like a big um, advocate of personal responsibility. Like, I know that the mistakes that I made, I can't blame it on anyone, but something that the church that I was going to at the time did, and, and it was their their um, attempt to, to protect the flock. You know, there's a lot of different um, log- like logical things that go in to making decisions like that. But what they did was they did isolate me. They set me aside, and not only could I not do ministry um, for a period of time, but I also couldn't go to church for a period of time when I needed it the most. And during that time, I spiraled out of control because I didn't have anyone. I literally didn't have anyone except for Jesus. And while Jesus is the most important, he's what we need. He also tells us we need each other. You know, do not neglect the gathering of the brethren. And that is something that when we're in those moments, we need to be surrounded by people. Right. And, um, you know, I think that for you, like you've been in ministry and you've been in leadership and there, there's been some times where you, you needed to just take a step back. But for the most part, those, those moments were super brief and you jumped right back in because that's what you needed. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've always felt called to, to ministry in some sort of way. Um, I've always felt like I love the church. Like I said, I love being at church. I love being connected to the church. I love the body of Christ. I love um, being a part of that and really feeling connected and finding my purpose in that. I mean, I've experienced both. I was kicked out of the church I grew up in when I was, you know, 17, 18 years old for messing around with my boyfriend at the time. And um, it was devastating to me because that was the whole, my whole world. That was all I knew. And I was... I mean, little did I know that that was going to be the greatest blessing of my life. But, um, I mean, I think it goes both ways. Um, In my situation, personally, I never hid my sin. I always brought it to light. I always took it to my pastors. I never hid it. I I was very honest because I believe in serving Jesus. If it's not going to be real, then why do it? Like, if it's going to be a fake thing, then why even bother? That I'm just going to go do what I want. Right. You know? Um, I was somebody who grew up with a lot of rules and and, and, you know, strict religion. And so accountability was something I never liked. But as I've grown in my walk with Christ, I've understand that that accountability is what keeps it real, right. what keeps you like 
desiring what getting what you desire with God and being where you are with God. Right. And we need people. We we need people. Um, I think that on the other flip side of that, my pastors were never afraid to have the hard conversations with me either. And really were, you know, when this started to become a pattern in my life, when they recognized a pattern and it wasn't just, you know, isolated situations, they were the first ones to say, hey, you need to change. Like, this is not okay. You have to determine in your mind what you want to do and how you're going to live. Right. That is and, so good. And so, you know, while they never isolated me, they weren't also weren't afraid to have tough conversations. And I think that the correct balance is super important because you can't just ignore it and pretend like it's not there mm-hmm. and let people in leadership do whatever they want unchecked. Right. But there's two things there. There's first one. The first one is your honesty with your leaders. If you're not going to be honest with your leaders, then you're not going to change, period. That is something that I learned um, a long time ago about people who are liars. If they're liars and they continue to lie to your face, even though you have proof that they're lying and you're literally showing it to them and they're still lying, that means they're not going to change. You can't expect people like that to change because what does the Bible say? The truth shall set you free. And that is something, too, that I've, I've, um, I've been... I mean, initially, there's always the secrecy, right? Initially, there's always the hiding. And then there's the Holy Spirit that tugs on your heart. Hey, you need to confess this. And then people like, oh, no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I don't have to talk to anyone about this. No, that does not mean, that's not what that verse means. Right. What that verse means is you don't have to feel guilt. You don't have to feel shame. But it does tell us to confess. Right. That doesn't mean confess from the pulpit or on Facebook or, you know, you have to tell 10 people. That means have somebody in your life who you trust, who you know loves Jesus, and whose correction and um, productive criticism you can take and apply to your life. Have someone like that in your life, a spiritual mother or father that you can right. trust. And I think that's something that you have, you've gotten down. Like, you trust your pastors, and not that you always agree with everything, you know, you're not always on the same page, but you trust them enough to help, let them help you guide your life, you know, let let them help you keep the boundaries that you have established even before, you know, you encountered whatever the issue you were facing. Right. Yeah. And they, they I have, you know, I, I do trust them and it you know, it hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been at the level of trust that it is now. Um, but and even having those hard conversations, they're not. It's not always easy to hear. Your initial reaction is never like, "Oh yes, tell me how how messed up I am." You know, <laughs> right. that's you know, we know it's just hard to see it face to face. But um, once you take a few moments and and digest and process and realize, hey, these people are for me. And if I didn't know how for me they were and how much they loved me, I don't know that I could hear that. Yeah. And so I think that's kind of where the church gets it wrong. Like we're easy. It's easy to. Con- it's one side or the other. It's like grace, grace, grace. And we are grace, grace, grace. I, right. I, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be the person I am without God's grace. But right. but it's grace and truth. So yes. one of my favorite sayings is um, grace without truth is meaningless and truth without grace is mean. So that is so good. It's a balance of both. Yeah. And people want to call it tough love, which I do believe in tough love. But I don't think that tough love can be tough love without that acknowledgement of love or without that reassurance that that person loves you. Right. And I know that that reassurance can be really hard because I know leaders can show their love for people 
and the person be so damaged that they can't receive the love from their leaders. So they don't know the love for their leaders. And also on the flip side of that, some leaders can be so um, focused on growth and pruning that they forget the nurturing and the watering. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's, from, it's from glory to glory. And the Bible tells us to bear with one another. So if you're going to a church who doesn't have, in your opinion, you're, you don't think that your leaders love you, um, I, I recommend that you find a church where you can find that, but also don't be afraid to look inside of your heart to evaluate whether your perception of that leader might be skewed because of past wounds. Um, so it's a two-way street. And what do we what do we always learn? When I change, everything changes. Everything right. changes, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think sometimes we can we say that all the time. Mm-hmm. We can get numb to what it actually means. But um, I think that that takes us back to uh, the beginning of this conversation. How do we change the church? Because I, I posted um, when I posted the last episode, I posted that I think that the church is broken without the single people, the congregation of single people that needs to be there. But if you look at um, the city of any city, if you look at the city and you see um, the population of um, different cultures, white, black, Mexican, you know, all the different colors of the rainbow, you look at um, single, married, you look at children, um, and then you look at the church, the church should pretty much match what the city looks like as far as the percentage of the different people that that populate that church right or that 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 church consists of um so it should match and and with the exception of course of spanish-speaking churches or something like that that's Mm -hmm. specifically um geared towards um a race that speaks primarily one language or another Mm -hmm. um but for the most part it should mirror what the city looks like whatever city it's in if it's all white or all black there's something wrong there that needs to be addressed there's something spiritually wrong there that needs to be addressed um so i i kind of believe that it's the same thing with single people. The population of single people in the world is way, like the balance is way off from what the church looks like. Right. And we see that firsthand every time we go to church. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about when I visit other churches, mm-hmm. it's, it's the balance is off. There's something yeah. wrong there. So we need to, so first of all, when I change, everything changes. So what can single people do to rectify that? Well, there's a couple of things I I think. I believe that strong families are the heartbeat of the church. I believe that they are the heart of the church. Strong families make strong, strong churches. Right. But what makes strong families? Strong marriages. What makes strong marriages? Strong single people. Yes. So. So good. Every single part and, and season that you're in in your life, you are contributing to the church and to the heart of the church. And I think that so many times the church, people, especially when you grow up in church like we did, that you feel like your purpose doesn't start until you're married. And I hate that thinking. And I believe that single people really need to um, change their mindset about it. You know, change your mindset about your purpose starting. Because if you believe your purpose starts when you get married, you're serving the wrong God. Jesus wasn't married. Right. So, oh my gosh, and so he good. came to earth and served his purpose, right? As a single man, I think so many times we see the church as like this place you go once you're settled down. Yeah. Or get married quickly so that you can have your part. Right. I'm on our leadership team, on our pastor's leadership team. Um, I have a connect group of co-ed and I co-host it with another couple who are married. I go to encounters, help lead encounters. I 
you know, I minister, I do everything that we do as a single woman. I don't minister to men. Right. That's common sense, I think. You know, common sense. But I do everything at the same level that someone who's married could do. Right. Um, So I don't know where that thinking comes from other than the old school thought of, you know, get married Get married young so you don't fall into sin. Right. That's why most Christians get married so that they can have sex. Right. You know, love is a secondary reason, but sex is the real reason. And this is the thing. Like, marriage is the second biggest decision you're ever going to make in your life. You know, serving Jesus and loving Jesus is your first accepting him. Who you're going to marry, who you're going to attach your life with, and very, very little thought goes into it. Most people do not think about who they're getting married to and why they're marrying them. Just when they're going to get married. Just when they're going to get married, right. (laughs) That is so true. And I don't think it's because of anything bad or bad intentions. I think it's that there's not enough, people don't take marriage seriously enough. And I strongly believe in knowing who you are in Christ, knowing your identity, and knowing your purpose, and walking out that purpose as a single person will make you a million times more successful in marriage. Now, I've never been married, so I can't tell you for sure, but I guess right. we'll see, right? Well, I think that... I, so I, I I look at the people who made some of the, um, the largest impacts on the church and on the world today in Christianity. And those people, there's a lot of single people in there. There's more single people in there than there are married people. Single people in the church not fulfilling their purpose. That's made the church, instead of a fire, it's made the church just some simmering coals. And that's not to degrade married people at all. That's just to say we are the body of Christ with different functions. Mm -hmm. And when we're missing a limb, we're not going to do our function as a whole um, as well, right? That's right. common sense. Well, we have to change the mindset that that marriage qualifies you. I mean, the Bible never says that. The, the Bible says that sex is for marriage. Other than that, marriage doesn't qualify you for anything. Right. Marriage, the Bible doesn't say you have to be married to have a certain gifting. The Bible doesn't say your purpose is linked to marriage. Right. That That's never found in the Bible. That's a mindset that was developed in the church. Right. Uh, that marriage. And, and I can understand it, too, because married couples, you know, like I said, families, strong families are the heartbeat of the church. They are, they are what makes a strong church. But have you noticed that the divorce rate in the church is insane right now? I, I, yeah, and I believe that it's because, I think it's because people don't put thought into why, the why they're getting married. Single people, yeah. Strong marriages are made by strong single people, and I believe that. You have to know why you're getting married and what you're getting married for. So, in other words, if you're a church and you don't have a strong singles ministry then you're probably going to have a higher divorce rate in your church. I don't know that singles ministry is the right term. I want to say I believe in discipleship for single people at the same level as discipleship for married couples. That's good. And ministry for single people at the same level as ministry for married couples. Because it's not a, it's like there's no marriage ministry. There's, I mean, there is in some churches, but um, 
I don't like to categorize. And I think that's part of the problem. Like, we want to isolate single people. We want to separate them from married people. That's good. Bring them together. Like, I want to be at the same level. Marriage doesn't qualify me. It's not like a kid's church. No. Like, not to demean kid's church. That's awesome. But but it is demeaning when you're an adult and you're kind of, okay, now we're going to separate the singles and the marrieds and the singles can go into this room. (laughs) Like, I get get what you're saying. And you're, like, you're teaching to, you know, 15. 16, 17-year-olds is different than adult singles who want discipleship. And and strong discipleship in singles as a single person is so key to being successful in your marriage. That is so true. That kind of reminds me of um, at this old church that I went to. Uh, and I don't, I don't really know. Do people do this anymore? They used to, whenever someone was getting married, they would have a bridal shower. One of our friends would have, you know, their bridal shower. Mm-hmm. But they'd have two bridal showers, one for the single people and one for the married women. Like, single women would have to. And I, I remember when they told me, oh, you can't go to that to that bridal shower. You yeah, have to like go to this bridal shower. what happened at that yeah, bridal like, shower. Like, seriously? Like, yeah. is lingerie and, like, lube too, like, <laughs> too risky? risky? Like, yeah. I can't see them opening presents like that like and that's so insulting that kind of adds to like the culture of shame like like it's okay for single people to talk about sex too because that's something that's primarily on their mind probably more than married people like so true so when you tell them you know oh you can't hear this or don't read the song of solomon or you know right it's almost belittling like it's it's like it's condescending. Yeah, it's, and it adds a shame. It's like, oh, so if I, if I, it starts to play into that mindset. If I, I desire sex, if I think about sex, if that's one of the reasons I want to get married, sin, something's shame, wrong shame. with me. Yeah, right. like what's wrong with me? Oh, it's not that season for that, you know. But instead of saying, hey, these, this is an open conversation. These are great things within the confines of marriage because God cares about your heart. That's true. And single people are thinking about sex. Okay, single people are thinking about sex, so they can think about it like in the context of the world and and whatnot. You have to like you have to control the flow of your thoughts. Like, how are you thinking about things? Or or are they thinking about it in the context of something amazing they can experience when they're married? Right. Um, but I remember in that church, too, they used to tell the married people not to flirt with each other in front of single people because it made them think bad thoughts or something. Like, no, that's the opposite is true. Like, right? Like, help me to desire to find that person. A good marriage. You know, a good marriage. I love, you know... Um, it's funny because when I first started, when we first started this church, uh, everybody was married. Still, everybody's married. A good majority of my friends are married, um, which I love. Uh, I sure. love that. <laughs> and um, I remember, like, just being so, feeling so isolated and so alone and thinking, everybody's married. Everybody has these great marriages. And as time went on, I realized that everybody's marriage wasn't great. <laughs> There's, a, you know, a few that I look at and I think, man, that would be a good thing for me or that I aspire to that. I want a marriage like that. Um, but having that real, like, just openness and being apart and seeing their lives and their struggles um, helps me to ha- have a ver- better like idea of what marriage it really is and not like this idol on a shelf that's unattainable right so it you know just being in in all of you guys's lives and seeing how you work out your marriage I look at it and say that's a a strength and that's a weakness right this is what I want and this is what I don't want and this is what is like 
normal and what's not right, normal. Right. It's normal to struggle. It's mm-hmm. a marriage is hard work. Yeah. And I don't care how right you did it. The Facebook pictures are not something that is the picture of your marriage. No. Like s- single people, if you're scrolling through Facebook and you're feeling sad because you see all these amazing like couple goals, married people pictures together, like that is not the picture of their marriage. You don't see every fight. You don't see no, any of their fights. Go spend like, uh, go spend a week with the person that you think has a perfect marriage, and, and you'll come out of that. And <laughs> you'll come out of that knowing that there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Like they're really isn't and marriage is amazing I love my husband and I am so thankful for him uh, but it is hard work and when you are if you when you grow up and you think that happily ever after is happily ever after without any fights without any crying without any you know moments of doubt and fear then when you get married and you experience those moments it is devastating it, it's devastating yeah. and and you immediately think oh i married the wrong person or whatever you could marry the the most right person that is possible for you to marry and you're still going to have those moments absolutely and and that's the thing like i being around everyone's marriage and seeing them, and and thankfully I've, I have friends who are very open about their marriages and talk about the struggles and the joys, um, and have let me see those parts of them. It doesn't make me desire marriage less, right? You know, it's still a desire. It just brings it into perspective. What it does make me desire more is finding the right person for me. Right, that's so good. And I know we have to wrap things up right now, but um, I wanted to end. Like I know you you pointed out, like singles ministry is. Not not necessarily the goal because you're right it does separate and isolate adults when that's not necessary they need to be coming together working together treated as equals um, whether they're married or single but what do you think churches can do um, ministry wise to uh, you know to equip their single people to thrive in their congregation Um, I do think that there is, like, you know, we have marriage counseling. I think that single people who are are moving into a season of, hey, I want to get married, I'm ready to get married, I really do believe that they should sit down with their leaders and their pastors and break down why do you want to get married, where are you in your, you know, your finances, where are you in your walk with God, who are you looking for, what are you looking for, and just kind of get to the root of, of, um, people's and in, your intentions to get married and why and right. and and help them get to a place of okay I'm getting married because I want to add value to someone's life and I want someone to add value to my life I'm getting married because I want someone to serve God with and fulfill my purpose at a higher level right and if you if you're gonna I mean when you get married you should marry someone who's serving God a, right alongside you you should be running the race set before you and your partner should be running right next to you and that's how you should meet and that's how you should fall in love and that's how you should run after you get married in the same direction together right. um, and if you don't then you guys might want to part ways because you weren't doing the same things before you met and you're not going to want to do the same things after you met. Right. And one of my biggest fears as a single person is that you marry someone and then everything about your life halts and you have to stop and be now you're married. Right. Which I know there's a degree of like change when you get married. The honeymoon. Yeah. But I always say this, like the person I one of the qualifications that I will not compromise on is they have to be a disciple because I'm a disciple and I'm not just a disciple of Jesus. I'm a disciple of Cal and Bethany and they have taught me to grow 
as a leader. And I want someone who is at that level too, because I love being a part of my church. I love my calling and my purpose and all the things that I do. And I would hate for that to stop because I got married. I would become resentful of that person. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, if I just decided like I was going to pick somebody who's completely not involved in that way, then their expectation or my expectation, we won't match. So their expectation is a wife and mine is, you know, a husband who's going to be a disciple. Right. And so how do you compromise on that? Yeah. So it's just easier to marry someone who already is. So that is, And that's, the, I think that's the key. I think people forget about that. And like, this is a nice guy. He has a job and he loves God. Bingo. Yeah. That's, that he came to church a few times. This month. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's really important. And I also think that for leaders that we already discussed the honesty for single people to, to their leader, to have someone they can trust right. trust, and say, hey, I had a difficult time last weekend. I had a little bit too much fun or whatever the right. thing is. Like, I know that sounds bad that I'm laughing about sin, but I'm just doing it because out of nervousness. I'm just trying to be real because I know that's a real struggle with single people. But you have to be able to be honest with your leader. And to the leaders, I think they need to be able to be direct with the person that they're discipling, mm-hmm. but also have that grace. And, and don't be like, okay, yeah. right. You have to sit down from leadership for six months because of this. Like mm-hmm. sitting down for a few weeks, that's one thing. But some of us are like sharks. If you stay still, you're just going to, if you stay still, you're just going to die. Right. right. So you have to be doing something to serve God or you just become stagnant water and nothing good grows in stagnant water. Well, so. right. And I, I mean, I've struggled with sex, obviously, but I had to come to a place with myself and God basically where I just said, like, I'm not going to do this anymore anymore. Right. Like I desire righteousness greater than I desire my own feelings. Right. And I, until I came to that place, I couldn't, I was never going to conquer not falling into sin. I wasn't, I just wasn't because I needed to heal for myself. I needed to know my worth and my value. Um, Bethany said something to me the last, the last time I, you know, fell or whatever you want to call it you know, had sex outside of marriage. Um, she said, no, I said, well, it's not hard. It wasn't hard for you not to have sex. And she said, no, it was, but I knew that the price to have sex with me is marriage. And I wouldn't compromise on that. And it kind (laughs) of hit me and I was like, wow, that's like, like, you had to take a little time yeah, out before I had you to responded. Take a step back, and I was like, "Well, you know, must be nice." But I realized that there was a real brokenness in me yeah. that didn't understand that the price for me was marriage, right? And, and the price for the other person is marriage. And the price for the other person—that's that's the part that always tripped me up because for me, like, okay, the price to have sex with me is this or whatever. But for me, sex was such a big part of my life and a big part of mm-hmm. my thought process that it wasn't about like whether this person was going to be able to pay the price to be with me. It was I wanted to have sex, and that's all right. my thinking was about. You know, for the most part, um, I think that when you are able to get to that place where you're completely vulnerable and honest with your leader, you can help establish boundaries that are good for you. Right. Custom boundaries because everyone's different. Yeah. Everyone's different. Obviously, I'm 38 years old. I'm not going to go on every date in a group. You know, that's right. just not going to happen. <laughs> but um, also, when you're not, it's good to know who you are and have those conversations before you're in a relationship. Like I always say decisions lead and feelings follow because once you're in a relationship, 
you're foggy, like you're blinded by the emotions and the feelings and the desires. So when you have a leader who knows your decisions and knows your desires prior to that, you're able to, you know, have more strength in that. That's so true and so good. You have to have your boundaries established before going into that that moment. Um, so I think that's, I mean, communication with your leader, having those friends. Like, for me, I didn't have single friends when I was single. Mm-hmm. Well, I had two single friends, and they were not Christians. But I didn't have single friends in the church. Yeah. And um, I think, I mean, I knew single people, but we didn't hang out. So I think that that's another thing is um, you, you have to have that relationship with uh, well, I mean, they don't. I guess they don't have to be single, but you have to have um, friends. Like you have right. to have friends that are Christians. Period. And you have to have friends. Like if you're only friends with married couples, you have to have friends. Like obviously, they go on date nights and stuff. But you have to have friends who include you in things in in your life, so you don't feel isolated. I think single people hate the season of singleness because they're so alone and it's it's lonely it's lonely and, and there's a way out of that loneliness but it's not through the church a lot of times right. unfortunately or it's with the wrong guy so it's like i'm gonna get married so i can can ease this loneliness but when you have single friends who bring you into i mean married friends who bring you into things or single friends who want to go out with you and you know filling your life with god's purpose like obviously having a connect group for me filled time Right. So. so ministry, connection with friends, honest openness with your leaders. Those are super important things for people who are single um, to walk out in their Christianity in church. And if you're single and you've been away from church, go back to church. The church needs you. It's not just that you need the church. The church needs you. So go back to church. Thank you guys so much for joining me on this episode. The next episode is going to be on August 19th. I'm going to be talking about... LGBTQ legislation, freedom, equality, and what it all costs. You definitely don't want to miss that one. So if you guys want to contribute to the next episode, please find me on Facebook at the Brazen Truth Facebook page, or you can comment below. I'll see you next time.